Well, welcome to the Car Doctor radio program. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor here to help you with your car problems and to talk to you about what's going on in the automotive industry. On today's program, we're going to be talking about a couple things. We're going to be talking about the new F-150 Lightning police version. And we'll also be talking about kind of the opposite end of that. So if you like gasoline cars... The F-150 Raptor with a big V8 engine in it. So we're going to be talking about that as well. We're also going to be uh, looking into the mailbag, see what came in for questions this week. We'll be doing that sort of in between the two interviews. And then uh, somewhere in here, we're going to be reviewing really pretty nice vehicle. The Hyundai Tucson, but not the regular Tucson. It's a hybrid. And not the regular hybrid, but the plug-in hybrid. I'll let you know what I thought about that as well. But with us up next is Brian Bell, and he's going to tell us a little bit about the this hot rod Ford F-150 wrap. Joining us now is Brian Bell. He's the F-150 gas marketing manager, and he's going to tell us a little bit about the new Ford F-150 wrap. The F-150 Lightning, I think, took a lot of headlines in the past couple of months, but gasoline is not dead at Ford, and it's especially not dead at Ford with the F-150 Raptor and even a performance version of that, right? That's right. So we're really excited. We're out launching right now our new Raptor R, which is uh, takes our Raptor and puts in um, uh, a version of our 5.2 liter supercharged V8 that's in the Shelby GT500. Um, so we modify that and put it in the Raptor. So we've got a, a, a Raptor now with 700 horsepower, right? So it's a it's a phenomenal uh, new V8 engine opportunity for customers that are really looking for that V8. And 700 horsepower, the 700 horsepower club, um, not that many years ago meant Lamborghini, Ferrari, Bugatti, things like that. The idea that there's 700 horsepower in a F-150 pickup truck is pretty phenomenal. And the performance must be crazy. It it, it is. It uh, the the truck is just so much fun to drive. It's it's incredible what that does, right? It's seven hundred horsepower, six hundred forty foot pounds of torque. That torque has been optimized for low end and mid range, right? So when you're out in the desert, which is what the the truck is really designed for, right? That that high speed desert running, um, that that torque and that low end mid range is just so phenomenal for customers that it's just so much fun out there. Was part of the reason for the new engine because people missed the V8 in the Raptor? And yeah, so that's um, a, a great question, John. And, and yes, we you know we've we've launched. I've launched all three Raptors. I've been fortunate enough with the company to be a part of all three generations, and. Um, that EcoBoost is a fantastic motor. We still expect it'll be our top seller, right? We uh, we think about 75% of our Raptor sales will still be the EcoBoost because it's it's a great motor in the truck with great torque and all that. But we do have some a group of customers that wanted a V8 and, and we've heard that loud and clear. And so we're responding. We're not just giving a V8, we're giving them a, you know, a 700 horsepower, um, you know, phenomenal V8 engine for them. So. And you mentioned the truck because of the suspension and the engine performance is really designed for, you know, that, you know, pre-runner desert conditions go out there but there's an awful lot of these that never leave the pavement and people just love them because of the performance on the horsepower right so the, the majority of our customers tell us that they take it off road somewhere some point in time right with their truck we don't know exactly where or how but 
But you know, the, the, the beauty of Raptor is that it's a phenomenal off-road vehicle. It's also a phenomenal on-road vehicle. The, the, the truck itself just drives fantastic on your everyday driver. And you're right. Most customers that buy it, they buy it for both, right? It becomes their, you know, they, they want that off-road experience, but it also is their everyday driver that they're using to tow their boats, right? It's got, uh, you know, the, the, the tow rating on it is 8,700 pounds, right? So it's got great, you know, capability as a truck. It drives fantastic for customers on the on the road. And at the same time, it's got this great off-road experience. So when they're ready to go out and do those things off-road, which is their, you know, their their passions or their their hobbies or whatever, it, the truck is ready for them. So it's a great all-in-one vehicle. It really is. And I don't go to fancy restaurants very often, but the last time I was at a fancy restaurant, there was a Raptor parked out in front of the valet stand. And the person that was uh, getting into it, I mentioned something about the Raptor and he goes, one of the reasons I like it is because it ends up in the front of the valet stand because it's it's uh, you know it's it really shows off it really shows off out here and where you know there might be a BMW or a Mercedes he said all of a sudden I have this giant truck out front and more people are looking at that than looking at some exotic car the the truck draws a crowd wherever you go right the appearance of it is so unique and aggressive and and bold and strong and it, it just the, the Raptor stands out from the first generation to the new third generation truck and the new R with the accents we're going to put on it to make it stand out as an R, it really jumps out at customers. And, and you're right. They do notice it anywhere it's parked, anywhere you go. And, and customers love that bold design, right? I've always said Raptor to be successful with Raptor, it needs three things. Suspension is first. It's got to have that great off-road suspension, got to have a great powertrain, and then it's got to have great appearance, right? Those are the, 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 the keys to what makes Raptor so successful. And, and your customers is, is spot on, right? It just draws a crowd wherever you take it. Well, it really is an in-your-face sort of. This is this isn't the vehicle you drive to to sort of blend in with the crowd. No, no, you're going to be spotted and seen in a Raptor. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, when can we expect to see the new 700 horsepower Raptor for sale? Um, you know, you can go to dealers. The order bank is open now. The order bank opened yesterday with our announcement, um, and so you can go to dealers and order it now. They'll be uh, delivered. You know, and later this year, uh, in the in the fall winter time frame, we'll start deliveries of them to customers. Um, so real soon. Perfect. And if people want more information uh, about the Raptor or Ford in general, Ford.com, right? Yep. Go to Ford.com. We've got a whole spread on the Raptor R. There's also for those off-road enthusiasts that are looking just at general off-road, we've got Raptor information, Tremor, our off-road trail truck, our new Rattler package, right? There's a lot of great off-road offerings for customers. So I encourage you to go check it out. There we go. Hey, thanks for spending a little time with me on the Car Doctor program. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Who would have ever thought about that kind of horsepower in a truck? But people are looking for it. People want it. That's why they're coming out with it. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, is it a halo vehicle? Is it something to bring people into dealerships? Absolutely. Is it a fun vehicle to drive? I'm sure it is with that kind of horsepower, that kind of fun. Uh, I've driven some high horsepower SUVs before and practical, not really fun. Absolutely. So, yeah, so just one of those things, one of those things that's interesting to look at, interesting to talk about. Uh, some of the things that have come up in the uh, columns recently, and some of the email we've gotten, somebody said to me, could you elaborate on a recent question that you answered about an alternator doesn't really charge the battery, but maintains the charge it already has? If that was the case, wouldn't battery usage after the car is shut off, like seats backing up automatically for easy exit or any other outside light staying on for a short period of time, uh, eventually drain the battery? Not really. Those are things that are considered normal within the 
range of maintenance, uh, but many people, some mechanics included, think when a battery is completely discharged, letting the engine run for 20 or 30 minutes is plenty to recharge a battery. Although it might bring the battery up to the point where the car might start, it's not at a full charge. And if you check the voltage on it, it's probably well below what would be considered 100% state of charge. So when the car's battery goes dead like that, the best thing you do is put it on a battery charger, charging it at a slow rate. That's the best tool to fully recharge a discharged battery. And once the battery is recharged, it should be retested. Because jump-starting a battery, that shock of jumping the battery can actually start to do some damage to it. So that's why sometimes when batteries go completely dead, yeah, it's the cycling. Batteries don't cycle that well. Uh, not like... Uh, marine batteries do or RV batteries do that are designed to be brought down low and then brought back up again. Car batteries are designed to be at a certain voltage all the time. And that's what alternators are designed to do is to keep them there. Uh, somebody writes in and they have a 2016 Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's got about 100,000 miles on it. Last time they were in for service, it was suggested they have the power steering and transmission flushed out. And they said they heard of flushing out a radiator, but not the other items. I said no was that the right answer. In my opinion, yeah, it was the right answer. I believe you should only flush components when you have a failure of that part. So if the power steering pump went, for instance, then maybe you want to flush out the power steering system. If the transmission had a serious issue, then you'd want to flush out the transmission. Uh, too often, some of these systems are really just companies that developed these flushing units and uh, in California it was referred to as wallet flushing because really that's what you were doing you were more flushing the money out of your wallet than actually fixing anything in fact Chrysler came out with a technical service bulletin back a few years ago said to their dealers we don't recommend flushing anything out like that so hmm uh, someone else writes in they uh, visiting New England in the summer and when I'm in a new place, I like to check out the car culture. I've found some fun finds along the way, such as the Don Garlitz Drag Racing Museum, the Corvette Museum, among others. What can I see in New England? Well, there's a lot of stuff to see. Lars Anderson Auto Museum, the old, oldest auto museum in the country. It's just outside of Boston. They also have some great lawn events. Um, recently, they just had... Uh, their big Italian car event, and they have stuff that runs right into the fall. The Heritage Museum and Gardens on Cape Cod and Sandwich is a great place. They have some beautiful cars in a shaker barn down there, a reproduction of a shaker barn. Uh, there's also a small private museum down in uh, Hyannis called the Toad Hall Sports Car uh, museum. I think it was a bed and breakfast or something once. They have mostly British cars, and oddly, most of them are red, and... Uh, Last time I was there, they had lots of cats, too. So if you don't like cats, if you're allergic to cats, maybe it's not the best place to go. Heading to Rhode Island, there's the Odd Rain Museum, which I've never been to, but I hear it's quite nice. And you see a lot of it. If you watch the Jay Leno uh, car show, you see some scenes from there, as well as the uh, person who's the uh, CEO, I guess, down there now. Um, also, the Newport Car Museum, which I talk about quite frequently. I've been there a couple times. It's a great place. 91 stunning cars there. Beautiful place. Up in Maine, there's the Owlhead Museum of transportation, the main classic car museum, and specializing in steam cars, the Stanley Museum. Also check out some of the different car club events that pop up. Uh, the one uh, near Gillette Stadium in Foxborough is a little bit off-cycle because um, Patriots uh, training camp started a little bit early, so their weeks are a little 
goofy, so you might want to check with them. Um, in my hometown in uh, Dennis, Massachusetts, uh, just about every Saturday in the summertime, there's a great car show at the Patriot Plaza, which is where the stop and shop is. Uh, in Hyannis, there's car shows. So look around the different car show sites. I think you'll find some some really interesting stuff to see there as well. So a lot of good a lot of good stuff to look at. A lot of a lot of great cars. Even the um, the Cape Cod show. I go to that a couple of times a month, and every time I go there, I see one or two cars I've never seen before, and they're always great to look at and great people to talk to as well. Coming up next is Greg Ebel from Ford, and uh, we talked about the high-performance Raptor. Well, there's also a Ford F-150 Lightning, and the Lightning's a pretty high-performance vehicle as it is with all the torque on board, but they're coming out with a police version. So why don't we see what Greg has to say about that? Joining us is Greg Ebel. Greg is the manager of the Ford Police brand marketing team. And Greg, there is some new news from Ford about a F-150 Lightning, which is the all-electric Ford truck. But it's going to be available for police use. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, John. So, so we're going to be, we're, well, we are unveiling the uh, 2023 uh, Ford F-150 Lightning Pro uh, Special Service Vehicle variant for F-150 Lightning, and this will, in fact, be America's first first all-electric truck that's purpose-built for law enforcement. So, um, it's part it's part of our 50 billion dollar commitment, our investment, been to electrification for for um, well, actually through 2026. So. Really super excited, and how that how that benefits our customers. It 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 really combines two two great things with this with this truck. So the all electric you know powertrain, obviously with the Lightning, um, you have some great advantages. You know reduce you know total cost of ownership. You know fuel prices, obviously we know are are very high. So the cost of electricity operating that you know will 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 save agencies. You know and subsequently what taxpayer you know dollars in that. You know maintenance um is is does greatly reduce as well, right? With the fewer moving parts with an all electric vehicle. So, so, so that's going to help out. I, we, we, we think our customers are going to really appreciate that, but uh, the truck itself, we have a lot of great purpose built you know, law enforcement content, like I mentioned. And a lot of it is, is, is brought over from our F-150 police responder. We have police grade, you know, heavy duty cloth, you know, front seats, uh, trim down side bolsters. It's easy ingress, egress, you know, get in the vehicle with a duty belt, you know, steel anti-intrusion plates and the seat backs for officer safety. Uh, many, many other things, you know, easy clean vinyl floors. You know, this is this is content that uh, that law enforcement um, has has really asked for. And that's what we delivered today on our police products. So we're 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 very excited to really deliver this to our uh, to our customers here with the 2023 model year. Now, as you were putting this together and as you were trying to add the features that would work the best for police departments, whether it was in the F-150 Lightning or the F-150 um, non-electric version, um, how was your interaction with police officers who used this? Did you invite police officers in to sort of critique what you were building? Yeah, well, this is just so we're constantly connected to our customers and we work very closely with our police advisory board. We meet with them in person at least at least twice a year. Um, so this is something that we've been talking about. And we actually uh, we, we had a police ride and drive, a national ride and drive about a year or so ago. And then in conjunction with that, you know, it was a lightning launch. So we, we heard a lot of feedback into saying, hey, how do we get something 
you know, for, for, for law enforcement, this, this lightning, you know, it's start, it's starting to scale up. It makes sense for the business. They're getting a lot of pressure, right. To go green, right. Zero emissions with all electric vehicle. So, so, so we went to the drawing board and said, you know, Hey, Hey, what can we do as an introduction? So that while this isn't a pursuit rated vehicle, this is, um, it's a special service vehicle. This is, this is for agencies looking to start integrating, you know, all electric vehicles in, in their fleet. So it's more of a piloting phase. They can use it for, right, whether it's parking enforcement, whether it's uh, they need to tow like a mobile command center, or they can just, you know, integrate it into their into their daily operations, you know, just just to learn, right, with obviously all the charging, what schedules, things like that. But not only with that, I mean, we we at Ford, I mean, I mean we are now coined as Ford Pro, we offer so much more than vehicles. So while, while I touched on charging, we have a we have a dedicated you know Ford Pro Ford Pro charging team that works with customers um, just to understand what kind of what kind of charging hardware, what software is going to work for them and their charging. So we're very close with them. We have we have our our Ford Pro intelligence team. We have a financing arm that you know helps them with. Right. If there's funding, if if there are loans you'll know, needed to support, you know, some of the infrastructure, right? That's a cost associated that they have to, you know, get ready and go. And so we're we're working with the customers every step of the way. And and quite frankly, this is a learning phase for for us and our customers. And and I and I feel that we're gonna learn a lot of great insights and we'll use that to plan plan for future of uh, uh, future police vehicles as 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 well, John. And I'm being totally selfish at this point, but all I can all I can see is solar panels all over the roof of my local police station and in their uh, and in their port where they keep all their cars. And I'm thinking electric charging. This could be perfect. This could help. This could help lower my tax bills. Right, right, right. You're exactly right. So it it's it's all about it's all about the about the efficiency of an electric vehicle and just to reduce, you know, total cost of ownership. And, and you're exactly right. It's a, it's a great message for the city that, or for the cities and governments or what have you, that they're looking out, you know, they understand that, you know, costs, you know, the cost of operating, say an ICE vehicle, an internal earthworm combustion engine vehicle. I mean, they're, they're, they're high. I mean, these vehicles are running in some cases 24 seven, where they're idling, you know, 60 plus, you know, percent of the, every shift. And now when you see fuel prices, I mean, they're recently over $5 here in Michigan. I, you, know, you know, they're a lot higher on the West Coast, but I mean, that's a huge, huge cost in terms of operating costs. So we can, we can reduce that. We, we can help reduce that cost, uh, provide um, a, but an overall better vehicle while, st while still delivering all the capability that's required. So if they need to, right with this, this vehicle, they need to tow a truck. We have a max, max of 10,000 pounds towing. Um, the, um, uh, the, but the pound feet of torque, 775 pound feet of torque. So you, so you have that power, that torque that's, you know, that's required in these situations. You, you need that instant acceleration if you're right doing traffic enforcement, right? Things like that. So we think it's uh, this truck, um, uh, the uh, the Lightning Pro SSV is going to work very, very well, well, well for law enforcement. Yeah. And it, it really makes sense when you think about it. But also, you pointed out, you know, the, the huge torque numbers, performance from the F-150 Lightning, zero to 60 is what, three and a half seconds or some crazy number. Um, is there, um, a lot of police departments go through something called EVOC school, which is their uh, performance driving school. Um, are you helping them with um, some of the, the driving characteristics that are different in something that's as quick as this is versus maybe a police officer that, that 
maybe just got out of a, a very old retired Crown Victoria. Right, right. It it is it is going to be a change. It's it's definitely going to be a change for law enforcement. And like any any new model, this is you, you know we went from the Crown Vic, we went to the um, from that you know to the uh, to the body on frame, your rear wheel drive to an all wheel drive, a uh, unibody, and and then to the high performance EcoBoost of the police interceptor today. So yeah, this this is a monumental change, and uh, we we will definitely be working very close with customers. And right, they have to understand that. You know, with a, with an electric vehicle, you have a specific range, right? So, I mean, are you going to be idling all day and blasting the AC? I mean, really depleting that range? Probably not. So, there's it's 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 going to be a learning phase where you know how does it work best to me? I want to, you know, how do I most efficiently or but most efficiently, you know, get the range that I need for my specific duty cycle? Am I going to be doing you know three four hundred miles a day? Obviously not. That's not going to work within a within a law enforcement uh, law enforcement range and with the battery capacity. But these are things that you, that, you know we'll have to manage, and we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot of things you know from yeah. our customers too. And we're gonna we're gonna take those learnings, and as we explore you know future future purpose built you know police vehicles, right? We'll take that data, you know, you know take the verbatim from our customers, and really really continue to develop you know the best products we can uh, for for the police space. Yeah, it, it really makes sense. And and like you pointed out, is it a vehicle that's going to get driven 400 miles a day? I think the battery pack in this truck allows about 300 and 320 miles of range. So it probably isn't a hot swap kind of vehicle where it you know pulls into the police garage and at first shift and the second shift gets right back in it, unless it is actually used for you know, kind of local type of things. So everybody's going to have to learn a little bit together. And I'm sure uh, if I was in the police garage, you know, I want to be the first one in it because it is such, it is such a cool truck to drive. But again, the idea that you're, you're sort of designing this and learning together and fitting it, fitting it right. And you mentioned internal combustion engines and when they're sitting there idling 60% of the time, they're getting zero miles per gallon. So they're not particularly efficient at that point. And the idea that maybe this electric truck as your, you know, kind of learning and, you know, what needs to stay on and what doesn't. And uh, it may, you may find out that in a lot of cases, it's, it's much more efficient, even when it's sitting there idling compared to the equivalent gasoline vehicle. Yeah, you're exactly right. And yeah, not very efficient idling, but that's a part of the job, right? So we right. want to make sure first and foremost, that we deliver a product that they can still do their job to serve and protect, you know, our communities. So that's, that's the first most objective, but Right. What comes with idling, extensive fuel costs and wear and tear on the engine. So as you can imagine, I'm sure, John, I mean, they're but the budgets they have to have, you know, to, you know, to uh, to maintain these vehicles are huge. So this this will be a breath of fresh air just to see, you know, over the course of over the course of ownership, you know, depending if they keep it right. Some agencies are every three, four years, some are five, some smaller agencies keep vehicles for 10 years. Right. Plus, Mm. right. We see a lot of Crown Vicks, you know, still on the road. So um, I think this is this is really really going to help them, you know, and they'll see they'll see the benefits there. But um, going back to charging for a minute, I mean, they're going to see, but, but you know, sometimes you know, if they get the infrastructure in place uh, that makes sense, if 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 they're a local a local city, I mean, they can charge periodically throughout the day, you know, maintain a charge, right? Or it's maybe I'm up a shift and I'm charging a shift. So I mean, there's there there are a few scenarios that. That, that we're working, you know, with with our customers, you know, as, as we navigate, you know, this this initial step, just to see what works best um, here within the space with an all electric vehicle. Well, it sounds it sounds like the uh, 
the future is here and the future is electric, even with police departments at this point. So uh, pretty amazing stuff. And if people want to learn more about um, some of the police vehicles available or or like you pointed out, the Ford Pro vehicles are available, uh, where do they go on the Ford website to find that information? Right. I, I would recommend, you know, Ford, FordPoliceVehicles.com is where to go. We have we have a lot of great, great news and content talking about the specific uh, Ford F-150 Lightning Pro that, you know, we're launching for 2023, in addition to other police vehicle lineup. Greg, thanks for taking a little time out and joining us on the program. Hey, thanks, John. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. So we did a lot of talking about Fords today. But we're going to finish up not talking about a Ford at all, but we're going to talk about a Hyundai. That's right, a Hyundai, but a Hyundai Tucson, and not just a regular Tucson, a hybrid Tucson, and not just a regular hybrid Tucson, but a hybrid plug-in Tucson. And that is a uh, pretty interesting vehicle. The Hyundai Tucson competes is a compact SUV that really competes with the likes of Toyota RAV4, Honda CRV, Ford Escape. The Tucson comes in several trim levels and power options. The standard Tucson comes in five trim levels from a base model to a performance trim, the N-Line, XRT, off-road version, and to the premium, uh, which is the limited. And there's a hybrid version, comes in three trim levels. And the subject of our road test, the plug-in hybrid, that comes as a SEL or premium limited version. The plug-in hybrid Tucson boasts 35 miles per gallon combined EPA mileage with 33 miles of, off, of all-electric range. Um, combined gasoline engine and electric motor deliver about 261 horsepower. So it's uh, pretty, pretty much a more than adequate uh, combination. My Hyundai Santa Fe, for instance, is a four-cylinder engine. I think it's about 178 horsepower. Uh, although the Tucson's classified as a compact SUV, it feels pretty roomy inside. Front seats are comfortable. Uh, the cabin feels open and airy. The rear seats have seat belts for three. And on two occasions, I had adults in the back seat. They found the head and leg room more than adequate. There's plenty of adjustments for the driver's seat, and drivers of all sizes should be able to find a comfortable seating position. The controls in some cases are simple, in other cases are frustrating. Hyundai, in some previous models, mixed a nice combination of uh, of touchscreen and knobs for major controls in the uh, plug-in hybrid Tucson controls for the radio infotainment system fall into uh, fall to the touchscreen, which is distracting when using. Although there are uh, steering wheel controls and some voice commands available, some knobs and buttons would alleviate the distraction. Also, uh, Hyundai incorporated a wireless phone charging for Apple CarPlay. Uh, this is nice because your phone, whether it's Apple CarPlay or Android, wirelessly hook up to the car. It also has a charging pad, so if your phone has the ability to charge wirelessly, you just lay it on the charging pad. It charges. Uh, they have the charging pad on an angle, which is kind of nice because you don't have to worry about anything spilling on it because it's on a kind of a nice angle away from the little console that you would think it would sit in. Uh, all the way to safety features, lane keeping assistant, um, safe vehicle exiting, which is uh, which I didn't get to try exactly the way I wanted. But what it does is if you're pulling away from, say, your parallel park somewhere and you go to pull away and you, you look back, and there's a car coming it warns you about that i kind of wonder whether it does it with a bicycle that would be great if it did 
Um, that way, if it saw the bicycle, it would warn you that you're going to pull out and there's a bicycle coming. Uh, so all kinds of electronic safety features. Uh, driving the Tucson is a pleasant experience. Again, with all the horsepower on board, it's fun to drive. 33 miles of all-electric range uh, is limited compared to a typical electric vehicle, but depending on your driving, uh, it will certainly limit trips to the gas station. During my time with the plug-in Hybrid Tucson, my typical daily drives were less than 30 miles. At the end of the day, I'd plug into a 110-volt outlet. By the morning, the battery was fully charged. So with, uh, you know, the, th- the gas tank, uh, yeah, I could go anywhere. But on electric power, yeah, I was limited to 31 to 33 miles per gallon, depending if I was using the air conditioner, or 31 to 33 miles of range. Uh, depending if I was using the air conditioner. But in most of the daily driving that I'm doing now is under 30 miles. So it works out pretty well. Probably never have to go to a gas station. Yeah, but if you wanted to on those long trips, you could easily do that. So um, I think the Hyundai Tucson plug-in hybrid is a great SUV for somebody who's not ready to go all electric. The battery electric motor with its simple recharging can manage the average daily drive for many people. You don't have to go and invest in a level two faster charging uh, setup at your house unless you wanted to, but you may decide you don't need to. So you can go check it out. Also, if you want to check things out, uh, you can find pictures of all the vehicles I road test on my Instagram page, which is just John F. Paul on Instagram. You can find it there. If you have a question like people do, you can email me at jpaul at aaanortheast.com. And you can always go to aaa.com slash car doctor, and you can put in a question there if you want. Uh, easy enough to remember, aaa.com slash car doctor. And then uh, it gets sent directly to me, and I answer every single question I get. Maybe I don't always have the answers, but I will try to answer every single question I get. So until next time, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next time. Bye-bye.